Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Addressing Patient Needs with CAR T-Cell Therapy in the Treatment of CLL-SLL, Preparing for an Evolving Treatment Paradigm. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported through an educational grant from Bristol Myers Squibb. My name is Tanya Siddiqui. I'm a hematologist at City of Hope Medical Center in Southern California. In this program, we'll discuss the evolving considerations of addressing patient needs with CAR T-cell therapy in the treatment of relapse refractory CLL-SLL. CLL-SLL is one of the most common hematological malignancies in the Western world. And despite many novel therapeutic options available for CLL, most patients will relapse and become refractory to our novel treatment options. So in the first session, let's discuss the rationale of using CAR T-cell therapies in this patient population. So the treatment landscape for CLL has improved dramatically with options like BTK inhibitors and BCL2 inhibitors in the first line and second line therapeutic situations. In the realm of relapse refractory CLL-SLL, we certainly have a lot of good treatment options, and a lot of these options depend on what was used first in the treatment of CLL. You can see below for relapsed refractory CLL, what are the other options available if somebody progresses on both BTK inhibitors and BCL2 inhibitors. CLL is considered to be an incurable chronic type of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. So in the situation of relapsed refractory CLL, where the two best treatment options available out there, namely BTK inhibitors and venetoclax, have already been tried, we often see poorer outcomes as people can progress faster, their CLL can behave a little bit more aggressively. Whatever is available, like PA3K inhibitors, etc., those have much more toxicities. And so there is a crucial unmet need for newer treatments, not just for multiply relapse CLL, but also for patients who have porous features of their disease like deletion 17P and TP53 mutations. CD19 is a marker on all B lymphocytes. And we have found over the years that in lymphoma cells, targeting CD19 with CAR T cell therapy can help eliminate the cancer cells extremely well. And we are now trying CAR T cell therapy targeting CD19 in relapsed refractory CLL as well as a promising treatment option. The furthest along in research of CD19-directed CAR T-cells in relapsed refractory CLL is lysocell or lysocaptogene marilucil. Xamtocaptogene autolucil is still in early clinical trial development for all non-Hodgkin lymphomas, including CLL, but we certainly have not seen a lot of data yet from this particular product. So in the next session, we will review the latest clinical data for emerging CAR T-cell therapy for CLL-SLL. So chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy or CAR T-cell therapy is being developed as another treatment modality for high-risk relapsed refractory CLL-SLL, especially in patients who are resistant to other available treatment options. We will discuss the clinical implications of the latest data for this novel drug class here. Lysocell is the furthest along in research as a CD19-directed CAR T-cell therapy in relapsed refractory CLL. We can review the 24-month median follow-up 
of patients treated on this study, the TransNCLL 004 phase one, two study. All patients needed to have had prior BTK inhibitor and more than half of them had had prior venetoclax as well. You can see in the middle column, the primary efficacy analysis subset of patients who had failed both BTKI and venetoclax therapy had received lysocell on the study and were efficacy evaluable. You can see that the primary endpoint of complete remission rates as assessed by independent review committee was met at 20%. The overall response rate was 44%. And then we saw fairly high undetectable minimal residual disease rates of 64% in the blood and 60% in the marrow in this fairly refractory patient population. Furthermore, in the primary efficacy analysis subset of 50 patients, the median progression-free survival was 11.9 months and median overall survival was 30.3 months. I will add that for patients who achieved a complete remission, the median progression-free survival and median overall survival have not been reached. Prior to Lysocell, the precursor product called JK14 was developed in Seattle at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center. And so there's now longer follow-up of their treated patients that were recently presented. This was a six-year follow-up. And we can see that there were high remission rates in these heavily pretreated high-risk ibrutinib relapse refractory CLL patient population. Brexicaptogenautolucil is another CAR T-cell product targeting CD19, which was being evaluated in CLL, but the trial has closed and is not going to be developed further to the best of our knowledge. Zamtocaptogene autolucil is a CD19 and CD20 targeting CAR T-cell product that is still early in its development and is also studying CLL patients aside from acute leukemia and other non-Hodgkin lymphoma patients. In the next session, we will discuss the general safety considerations associated with CAR T-cell therapy and practical strategies to manage adverse events associated with this treatment modality. In this session, we will discuss the safety profiles associated with CAR T-cell therapy and practical strategies to manage adverse events. While most of the CAR T-related toxicities are transient and require mostly just supportive care, they can be very severe if they're not managed appropriately. So here we see the most common adverse events noted with CD19-directed CAR T-cells. Many different parts of the body can be affected, potentially, the most common of them being hyperinflammation or cytokine release syndrome, neurotoxicity, low counts and infections, and hypogammaglobulinemia. So the fevers, chills are part of CRS, but they could also be part of infection. If they're severe CRS, they can be cardiovascular issues. And then GI toxicity is mostly with the chemo, I think. Looking at adverse events of special interest with CAR T-cells, these three are sort of the biggest uh, things we watch for. Chemotherapy-induced cytopenias that can then be further potentiated by CAR T-cells. We need to monitor blood counts, give transfusions, give prophylactic antimicrobial agents as directed. In terms of neurotoxicity, we can certainly see altered mental status, encephalopathy, etc. Very severe symptom would be seizure, and thankfully it's very rare. But we do use supportive care products to prevent these symptoms, including anti-seizure medications. And if these symptoms occur, we must use corticosteroids quickly and other supportive agents. 
And then probably the most common CAR T cell related toxicity is cytokine release syndrome, which is more like a hyperinflammation of the body. And if it happens to a high degree or persistently, we use medications like tocilizumab with or without corticosteroids to help combat the symptoms. So lately, we have heard of some reports of T cell lymphomas arising in some patients after CAR T cell therapy. And this is being taken seriously by the FDA, who are investigating these rare reports. But to the best of our knowledge, it is not the CAR T cells themselves that are turning malignant, but rather it's just an immune dysregulation leading to a novel lymphoma in these patients. In the next session, we will discuss where CAR T cell therapies can potentially fit into the treatment landscape of CLL. So as new data continue to emerge on CAR T-cell therapy, we ask ourselves what may be potential considerations on how to optimally integrate the emerging data into future treatment algorithm of relapsed refractory CLL. Disease characteristics are a big decision in this, meaning that relapsed refractory CLL patients who have multiply refractory disease have been resistant to the best treatment options out there, namely BTK inhibitor therapy and venetoclax, or patients who have high-risk features of their disease like complex cytogenetics, TP53 mutations, deletion 17P, etc., or f bulky disease may all benefit from CAR T-cell therapy as shown by current trials. Prior to CAR T-cell therapy, we do assess patients' performance status, organ functions, blood work, and make sure they don't have any active neurological issues for their own safety. Some of the things that can make CAR T-cells successful in a patient are early referrals so that we can get patients with healthier T-cells, so to speak. We can coordinate the logistics of collecting their cells, manufacturing their product, and giving them CAR T-cells at a time point where they are still fit and in good health and, of course, manage their toxicities in a timely fashion. And so I think to optimize the outcomes from CAR T-cells, it is best to refer the patients early during their relapse, and we can also optimize manufacturing process in that case. In the next session, we will discuss future considerations for sequencing CAR T-cell therapy for CLL, SLL. In this session, we will discuss guidance on treatment sequencing involving CAR T-cell therapies as they become available for CLL. As you know, people can start with BTK inhibitor therapy or venetoclax therapy in conjunction with CD20 monoclonal antibodies in the first line and second line setting, sort of alternating the treatment plan. However, once patients have progressed on both these treatment modalities, more recently, we have seen a non-covalent BTK inhibitor, pertubrutinib, being FDA-approved in the third-line setting for patients who have progressed on both BTK inhibitors and venetoclax in the past. We really don't have excellent treatment options from third-line and beyond nowadays. And this is where we kind of envision CAR T-cells playing a bigger role in relapsed CLL. Another thing we're learning about CAR T-cells, especially in CLL, is that combining it with the original BTK inhibitor, ibrutinib, may produce stronger CAR T-cells and reduce the side effects of cytokine release syndrome. This is still an investigation, of course, but we have observed some benefits, which we are excited about. Very recently, we've seen the FDA approval of pertubrutinib, which is a non-covalent binding BTK inhibitor that seems to work 
even in patients who have progressed on continuous covalent BTK inhibitor therapy. And so it has achieved accelerated FDA approval in the third-line setting for patients who have progressed on both BTK inhibitors and venetoclax in the past. And while it's an excellent addition for patients to give them an opportunity to get more treatments, it does not produce complete remissions and its benefit will be finite. Also, side effects will be continuous from continuous daily pills that they have to take. So we think CAR T-cell therapies will play an excellent role in this setting as well. Having been involved with the development of CAR T-cells in a lot of different lymphomas, namely aggressive lymphomas, mantle cell lymphomas, and now CLL, I have seen that when CAR T-cells work, they work extremely well and provide patients with great quality of life and clinical benefit after just one treatment, following which there's no maintenance, no continuous pills, no continuous side effects. Patients can lead a very good quality of life for several years, potentially. And so trying CAR T-cells in a disease like CLL, which may or may not be curable, but if patients can stop taking continuous pills and infusions, it would provide great benefit to our patients and CEPHR should be considered, in my opinion. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.